Lord, may the words that we read, the words that we hear, may they just not be empty. May our minds be focused completely on what you have to tell us this morning. All of us are going through difficult, maybe difficult times, maybe good times, Lord, but whatever it is we're going through, meet us where we're at. Show us it is what you want to show us in these stories that we're about to read, Lord, in these um, again, true stories that people actually went through. Bless this time. And just use me to be able to speak your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so this morning we're going to be looking at two distinct stories that share some commonalities. In our first story, we're going to be reading about how a desperate mother's determination and persistence was rewarded because of the faith that she displayed. And in our second story, we're going to be reading about how the love and determination people had for a certain deaf man and how Jesus ministered to that, to that man. Now what binds these two stories together is how Jesus was moved by the love, persistence, and determination of people who believed in him. What you'll discover as by the time we're done here is that when it comes to the development of our faith, God is the most effective when we come to realize that we're completely defective. So open up, if you don't have your Bibles open, um, please open them up. We're going to be in Mark chapter 7, and we're going to continue. We're going to begin in chapter 24. Mark chapter 7, verse 24. Word of God says, He got up and departed from there to the region of Tyre and Sidon. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it, but he could not escape notice. Instead, immediately after hearing about him, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit came and fell at his feet. Now the woman was Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she kept asking him to drive the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, Allow the children to be satisfied first, because it isn't right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she replied to him, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, Because of this reply, you may go. The demon has gone out of your daughter. When she went back home, she found the child laying on the bed, and the demon was gone. Our passage this morning begins with Jesus entering the region of Tyre and Sidon. When he and his disciples arrive, Jesus tells us that they make an attempt to enter a house undetected. They get there and they're just trying to just uh, get into this house without anyone noticing them. They want to have a quiet dinner. And that's understandable. You know, I mean, there are times, you know, you're just traveling. You just want to go into a house and, or into your house and just have a quiet meal with your family, with your friends. But however, due to the fact that now their popularity had grown substantially, 
they were just easily recognizable people and, and we've seen that already um, how just people knew every, everywhere they went people knew who they were who Jesus was so that attempt to enter that house was completely like unsuccessful unsuccessful now what this you know for anyone actually for anyone that aspires to become famous anyone that aspires to be have that fame and to be known to be a celebrity and to be you know I, this is this is a similar reminder of the difficulties that celebrities and popular figures in our society have when they try to lead normal lives if that's what you desire if that's what you want that's that's fine you know but, but just be aware that the more people recognize you the more people know that you know the less privacy you're going to have you know i know i don't know about you but i enjoy my anonymity i enjoy being right now again one of the good things about being small is that you know that anonymity that's great you know especially also with the job that i have you know i don't want to you know i don't want to necessarily be in the newspapers I don't want to be in the news you know usually when that happens you've done something bad but even still um, you know just be aware that a lot of times even when you feel like being alone people are gonna bug you people are just gonna know who you are now again no matter how hard you try the more you get known the more you fame and the more um, recognizable you are no matter how hard you try to hide, people will always recognize you. People always recognized them. As Christians, we ought to be just as recognizable, though, wherever we're at. Even if you're not personally recognized, even if people don't know who you are, how you live your life and how you conduct yourselves ought to distinguish you from everybody else. I ought to especially distinguish you between non-believers. 1 Peter 1.5 says, But as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. Not just part of your conduct. All of your conduct. If Jesus Christ truly is Lord of your life, you can't hide Jesus if he's in your house if he's in your life you can't hide him if truly if jesus christ truly is the lord of your life you can't hide him you gotta it's it's gonna be exposed it's gonna come out again it's like trying to hide a light underneath the bed or trying to conceal it eventually it comes out you know you can't hide it you can't hide jesus in your life well of all the people that came to see him one woman in particular stood out because of her persistence and determination. Let me read to you what Matthew had to say about this account. I'll read it to you real quickly. This is in Matthew chapter 15, verses 22 and 23. This is Matthew's account. He says, Just then a Canaanite woman from the region came and kept crying out, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly tormented by a demon. Yet he did not say a word to her. So the disciples approached him and urged him, send her away because she cries out after us. Now as I look at the passage we have before us in Mark and, and, in, and in Matthew, there are a few things that are notable about this story. 
The first thing was that uh, about this woman that she was born in Seraphonicia, making her a Greek. Again, I had showed you in the map where that area was. It was along the northwest area of or the northwest region. And um, without getting into a full history lesson, those people there were typically born as Greek. They were, they were Greek um, citizens. So in other words, what that made her was a Gentile. Now, I spoke already a little bit, I, I believe, last week um, about the differences between Gentiles and, and Jews, how there was just two distinct races. That's how Jews saw people. Either you're a Jew or you're a Gentile. And if you're a Gentile, um, I'm not supposed to touch anything that you touch. I mean, you're, you're defiled. Um, we're special. You're not. So for them, there was two distinct classes of people. Either you were a Jew or you were a Gentile. So here this woman was a Gentile. And again, just the, not to state the obvious, but she was a woman. And again, during that time, men and women were also seen differently. You know, if you were a man, you had a higher place in society. You, you had more rights. So here you have a Greek and a woman here we have a story about a Greek and a woman. Now the fact that she somehow was able to make it into the house and fall, in, fall at the feet of Jesus tell, tells us a lot about her desperation and her determination to meet with him. Why? Why was she so desperate and determined? Why is that? Well, verse 25 in Matthew 15 tells us that she had a little daughter that had an unclean spirit that was cruelly tormentor, tormenting her. So in other words, she had an evil spirit, a, de a demonic spirit. She was possessed by a demonic spirit that was cruelly tormenting her. Now for those of us that have children, those of us that have um, small ones especially, we know how difficult that may be. We can Actually, it's easy for us to understand why she did what she did. We can easily understand that desperation and that determination to meet with Jesus. You know, I, I have a little daughter myself, and, and I know I would want to do anything and everything possible to meet with the one person that I know and believe can heal her. I, don't, I wouldn't care if I was a Gentile. I wouldn't care if I was you know I don't know that I was deformed I, I don't know I, I, if I was an alien I don't know I would do, do whatever it takes to get to Jesus but even, in, even if you don't but even if you're sitting here and you don't have children the possibility of losing something that is precious that is precious to you will cause anyone to go to desperate measures to ensure that it's not lost. People will go here, people will go there, seek answers there, seek answers, you know, from the world. And, and you know, the, the, when that doesn't seem to help, when that doesn't seem to do anything, the only place left to turn when all measures have been exhausted, is to, the last place to turn is to Jesus. 
last place people usually turn to is Jesus. And it's during these times of brokenness, during these times where your heart is just completely shattered into pieces, that the heart begins to cry out, Help me, Lord. I need you. Help me. I'm lost and I'm broken and and there's and I absolutely need your help. What I love about the God that we serve is that in those times of desperation, he absolutely hears you. He sees your heart and he sees where and it's he sees your heart and he sees where he wants it to be. When the Lord rescued King David from his enemies, David said in Psalm 18:6, I called to the Lord in my distress, and I cried to my God for help. From his temple he heard my voice, and my cry, and my cry to him reached his ears. I've already mentioned it, but here again, when it comes to the development of our faith. God is the most effective when we realize that we're completely defective. So as we go back to our story and what's going on here, there she is at the feet of Jesus with her eyes swollen and a river of tears running down her cheeks, running down her face. She cries out over and over and over again, have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly tormented by a demon. And she doesn't stop. She doesn't stop crying out these words. And according to Matthew, again, you see that the disciples were getting a little annoyed and was telling Jesus, hey, send this woman away. She's making a noise. She's being obnoxious. She keeps crying this out. And you can hear the agony in her voice. And she won't stop until Jesus finally does. Until Jesus finally does respond to her. Now I know that it may appear that Jesus is trying to ignore her. But honestly, I honestly believe he knew exactly what was going on and was waiting for the right moment to respond. Not just for her benefit, but for everyone else that was in that room and for those of us reading this text right now. I want to share something with you. You know, my, my kids, all of them, you know, everyone that lives in my house, um, ask Robin and I for a lot of things. And that's fine. I mean, we're not, again, we're not complaining. We know that they want things and that's, that's fine. But once in a while, they'll ask for something that they really, really want. Now we know and we can tell why it's important to them. Again, if you're parents, you, you know what I'm talking about. We know why it's important to them. But for us, sometimes we'll hold off on it. We'll hold off on giving it to them until we see how and why it's so important for them. When we finally do give in and when, we finally, when they finally do receive it, their expression indicates to us their death of appreciation. Now, if you don't know what I mean, I'm going to tell you a quick story, and I don't mean to embarrass. I won't say who it is, but I won't embarrass uh, you know, one of my sons. But when my, one of my sons was younger, he, uh, 
you know, he had been asking us for the longest time, hey, uh, hey guys, uh, I, can I get my own room? And we were like, no, you're staying with your brother. You're staying with your brother. And this happened for like years. Um, and, uh, you know, and we knew, we knew why he wanted it. I mean, it, was, it wasn't like we were, but we wanted him to appreciate it. We wanted him to really learn to take care of his things, to take care of his room and, you know, and to, to be helpful and, and all that. And then one day, finally, I believe it was, it was his birthday, I believe, um, we finally <coughs> told him, okay, you're going to have your room. You know, and, and, you know, I remember he, he said thank you, and then his eyes watered up, you know. And it, we knew that it meant something special to him, you know. And I, that's one of, I know it's one of those memories that I'm always going to remember for the rest of my life, you know, because I know what that's like. And I've had those same feelings when it comes to the blessings that God has bestowed upon me, when He's blessed me with things that I've been asking Him for, and, you know, and it just seems like, you know, he's ignoring and finally he just gives it. And I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord, you know. And I know that heart. And, and this is, I believe, what's going on here. You see, when it's according to his will, I believe God answers prayers when he knows how deeply we'll appreciate and glorify him for it. So Jesus, finally, he, he responds to her and he says in verse 27, Allow the children to be satisfied first because it isn't right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And then she replies, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Now, ju- now just to give you a little bit of a background, Jesus' ministry right at that particular moment wasn't focused on the Gentiles. It was focused specifically on the people of God, on the, on the Jews. God wanted the Jews to be saved. God still wants the Jews to be saved. So when Jesus came, he was, he was speaking to them. He wanted to minister to them. He wanted them to, to understand that he was the Messiah. And what we find out later on is that they essentially rejected him. And the, the people that accepted him more were the Gentiles. And here we have a picture of a, of a, per, a perfect example of how a, Gentile, a woman's faith, a Gentile woman's faith, was displayed. And again, I know his response may appear harsh. It may appear uncompassionate. But what he's actually trying to do is draw out a couple things out of her. He's trying to draw out a couple things from her. The first thing he's trying to to draw out is an expression of faith for her daughter to be healed. Again, that's, that's obvious. And the second thing he was trying to do was, was, uh, was that she would develop a relationship with him. And that's what this conversation was, was about. That's what this back and forth was about. Now, if you carefully examine her response, I, I, I think it's astonishing. You know, it may sound witty, it may sound smart, but I don't think in that moment when someone is grieving, when someone is going through that difficult time, I don't think it's something that anyone would just make up on the fly. I don't, I don't think it's someone, something that someone would just stand there and just think, you know, just think out of the top of the head or just spend time there thinking, okay, how am I going to respond to this? 
No, her, that response that she gave came from the depths of her heart. I want to read how, and then we see Jesus' response, but I want to read to you how the response uh, of Jesus, as it was told again in Matthew chapter 15. And this is in verse 28. He's, then Jesus replied to her, Woman, your faith is great. Let it be done for you as you want. And from that moment, her daughter was cured. Now, I, I honestly believe that as Jesus heard her response and as he's saying this to her, he had a, just a humongous smile that went from ear to ear. He saw something. He heard what he needed to hear and saw what he needed to see in this woman. And that gave him such a great joy. You see, she displayed to him sincere faith, trust, love, and a deep appreciation that, again, just absolutely shocked him. <coughs> now, it was that faith that not only allowed her to leave that house with a peace and rest she sought for, but it also, but also an unshakable belief that Jesus answered the petition of the heart. <coughs> she left that house when Jesus said, okay, go, she's healed. I don't think she left with any more doubts in her mind. I think she absolutely left that house and was like, okay, she left at peace. She didn't have that anxiety anymore. She didn't have that desperation anymore. She just trusted. She was like, okay, I trust what, what, what God is saying. She just made it home. When she got, and when she got there, verse 30 tells us she found her child lying in the bed and the demon was gone. This little girl that was loved so much had also gotten the peace and rest from the torment of that evil spirit. She wasn't suffering anymore. She wasn't this, this demon, whatever it was, Whatever it was that was, whatever it was that was doing to her, was gone. And finally, she was also at peace and rest. She was sleeping there, resting on the bed. Now, I think out of the many practical lessons we can learn from this story, I just want to be able. I just want to give you three, three lessons that you can take with you. Lesson one. God listens to persistent prayers. Don't ask once and leave it alone. Keep asking and don't stop even if you have to beg, plead with groanings and tears. I'll be honest with you, there was, there was a time when I was struggling whether, you know, we should plant this church and, and I know it was in, in my heart and you know, but there were times I was, I was crying out to Lord, Lord, is this what you really want? I don't, if this is what you want, I, I don't want it, well, I don't want this to be about me, I want this to be about you, and, and so yeah, there were times where I got on my knees and was pleading and begging and asking Lord, Lord, if this is what you want, let it be. But let it not be from my strength, let it be from you. There were times that, you know, I was at a loss of 
what to do. I was also in a state of desperation of, you know, what was going to happen next? How were we going to pay bills? How were we going to provide? How were we going to do this? Or, you know, and and the Lord met my need. Now, some of you guys may be praying and asking for things and have been asking th- for certain things for a very long time. Don't stop. Don't stop asking. You never know when God is just going to come through and say, okay. And that leads me to my next lesson. When God is silent, it may not mean no. It may not necessarily mean no, but rather not yet or not now. You see, God has a plan, purpose, and perfect timing for everything that he does. He may be developing a deeper faith within you while at the same time moving and shaping circumstances that you may be completely unaware of. Look at Moses. Look how Moses started off, you know, as he wanted to lead his people at the age of 40. He said, you know what, I'm not going to have anything to do with Pharaoh and the Egyptians. I'm done with that life. I'm going to go show my people what kind of a leader I can be. So he sees two Egypt, two Jews fighting with each, two Hebrew people fighting with each other. And next thing you know, they call him out like, who are you? Who are you? And so he had to leave. Now he had to leave because again, he had murdered somebody. That's why they had called him out on it. But he had to leave. And for 40 years during that time, God was developing something in him too. God was doing something in his heart. He was developing a deeper faith in him. And like I said, don't stop praying. Because that's what he's doing. Not only is he doing that with you, but he's also moving things around that you may not know about. And even if it takes, if you're praying for somebody, if you're praying for a family member's salvation, I know that that um, I'm praying for the salvation of my family members too. But you know what? I know that God has a plan. God is hearing me. And even if it happens after I pass away and go with the Lord, I know that the fruit of what I've said, what I've done, will move on to them and, and that and, and trust that the Lord will, will one day save them. But again, it's a matter of being patient, being persistent, being determined. Again, he has a perfect time for what he does. Perfect, per, a perfect purpose, plan, and timing. Now the third lesson we can learn is that the way God answers may not be exactly as you expected. This woman, she probably expected Jesus to hear her out, to, okay, let's stand up, take, you know, take him, you know, get, ask Jesus to follow her to her house and lay hands on his daughter. But that wasn't what happened at all. Story was completely, she wasn't expecting Jesus to, to let her keep crying out over and over and over again. She probably wasn't expecting Jesus to say, okay, well, well, your daughter is healed. You may go. 
But I want to read to you, I want to share with you what Isaiah 55 says in verses 8 and 9. It says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways. This is the Lord's declaration. For as heaven is higher than earth, so are my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. We may have a certain expectation. We may be asking God, you know what? I, I'm praying for this to happen in this way. You know, or you may not be saying in, in this way, but you may be thinking that you want it to happen in this way. But he may have a completely different way of answering that prayer. You know, you may be, you know, praying. You know, I'll use simple, simple things. Like you may be praying for a car. You know, don't be upset. Don't be mad if he gives you, you know, a little hoopty. You know, like a little junk car that just, you know, barely runs and, and doesn't have a reverse gear or anything. You know, <laughs> be satisfied. Be happy. Your prayers have been answered. You know, maybe you're praying for, you know, a, a house or whatnot. And, and he gives you something that... You know, again, you just, that is completely not what you expected. Be satisfied. Be happy. Again, he answered your prayer. You know, he, one more example, um, and this is one that you hear about a lot. You know, a new couple that has just recently married and maybe praying for kids. And then they realize they can't, but they're praying and praying and praying. And what they come to find out later on is that what it seemed, what a lot of times happen is that they can't have kids, but what they do instead is they adopt. And they're able to give that love that they wanted to give their own child. They're able to give it now to a, to a kid that needs that love. And so God, again, answers that prayer. God did answer that prayer in that they did were able to receive a kid, but on, not in the way they expected. So there's just a few examples. You know, be again satisfied with the way he answers those prayers. Now keep in mind, even if you don't see it, God sees the heart behind the petitions of your heart. He knows what's in your heart. He knows exactly what you need. He knows what's in there. And let's continue. Let's read that last story in Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7, verse 31. Again, leaving the region of Tyre, he went along, he went by the Sea of Sidon to the Sea of Galilee, through the region of the Decapolis. They brought to him a deaf man who also had a speech difficulty and begged Jesus to lay his hand on him. So he took him away from the crowd privately. After putting his fingers in this man's ears and spitting, he touched his tongue. Then looking up to heaven, he sighed deeply and said to him, Ephaphatha, that is, be opened. Immediately his ears were opened, his speech difficulty was removed, and he began to speak clearly. Then he ordered them to tell no one, but the more he would order them, the more they would proclaim it. They were extremely astonished and said, He has done everything well. 
He even makes deaf people hear and people unable to speak talk. I'll show you guys in the map in a bit. But um, he goes to the region of the Decapolis. In that region, they encounter some people that had brought to Jesus a man that was deaf. Now we also hear that, we also know, and we're told here that he had a speech impediment. Now I think the two were related. I mean, we know that um, when someone is deaf, you know, they usually, they don't speak perfectly. They have typically a speech impediment. Okay, and this is the map I was talking about. Tyre, Sidon, this is the area of Sierra Phoenicia. So he makes his way back around, the, he travels up north to Sidon, then comes back around this way towards the Sea of Galilee and enters the area of the Decapolis. This is the Decapolis area. Um, so this is where the region now where we're at, where this story takes place. And again, they encounter this man. He, had a, he was deaf, had a speech impediment because of that deafness. And uh, so, in other words, he couldn't hear and he couldn't speak. And just like the woman we just finished reading about, he has friends that bring him there, that bring him to Jesus, and they put, and they ask Jesus, they actually beg Jesus to put his hands on him, or put his hand on him. The fact that these people not only brought this man, but also spoke and pleaded to Jesus on his, befa- on his behalf, ought to tell us a couple things. One, the incredible faith they had in Jesus to heal this man. And two, how much love they had for this man. I think this is a beautiful picture of, of what love for one another looks like and how that love ought to inspire us, ought to move us to pray for those we love when something may, not be, when something may be keeping them from doing it themselves. It ought to inspire us, again, to pray for those. That may be, uh, pray for those we love when something may be keeping it from, keeping them from doing it themselves. Maybe you have a friend. Maybe you have a friend or a relative that has walked away from the Lord. In your prayers, you can bring them to Jesus and plead to Him on their behalf. 1 John 5.16 tells us, If anyone sees his brother committing a sin that does not bring death, he should ask and God will give life to him. To those who commit sin that doesn't bring to death. Doesn't bring death. Maybe you know someone that is so ill, that is so sick. Maybe you know someone that's, you know, uh, incapacitated to the point where they can't speak. They can't maybe hear. In your prayers, you can speak to Jesus on their behalf. James 5, 14 through 16 says this, If any, anyone among you is, is sick, he should call for the elders of the church, and they should pray over him after anointing him, after anointing him with olive oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick person, and the Lord will restore him to health. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The urgent request of a righteous person is powerful in its effect. 
See, when you pray for others, when you come to God on their behalf, it's beneficial. It has a, there's dual benefits to it. It's beneficial to you and it's beneficial to them. It benefits you because God gives you the hope, faith, and strength you need for those you're praying for, especially if they're in a horrible place, especially if they're in a place that, you know, just grieves you and, and just it, it makes your heart completely just sad and, you know, you see what they're doing and, and you're, you see that one, at one time they had that joy, but now they, they don't. And, but praying for them gives you that strength. It gives you that, that um, hope that you need. And also it benefits them in the blessings they receive when God, when it was a blessing, I'm sorry, and it benefits them in the blessings they receive from God when those prayers are finally answered. It benefits them. Because when those, again, when those prayers are answered, they're able to, to just glorify God. And those blessings are like, yeah, it's just a, sh a shower of refreshment for them. Now, if you go back to verse 33, it tells us that Jesus then makes, takes this man aside in order to meet with him privately. Why? Why do you think he took him away? Well, I, th I think he does this, he did this for a couple of reasons. The first reason I think that is he wanted to remove him from any visual distractions, anything that might keep him from focusing and you know, keeping his eyes on Jesus. Again, studies show that when a person is deprived from one of their five basic human senses, the others usually strengthen, the others usually take over. So, you know, it's a possibility that for this man that distracted his, his visual sense was on overload and everything he, he knew, everything about what he saw was magnified more than what a normal person would see. So it's easy to see why, again, um, why he wanted to take him alone and aside so that he wouldn't be distracted by everything that was going around. He wanted this man to just focus his eyes on Jesus. And I believe the other reason Jesus took him away privately was to find out for himself what was within the heart of this man. And as he's standing there, as he's standing there now, face to face with, his, with this man, the next thing you know, Jesus puts his fingers inside this man's ears. Now again, I want you to try to imagine the scene as I, as I explain it. He puts his, his, his fingers in this guy's ears. Okay, and if that doesn't sound strange enough, we're then told that Jesus spits and touches this man's tongue. I imagine this taking place. Jesus looks at him, again, has his fingers, takes one finger out, <laughs> spits on his fingers, and either touches it like this or just touches it like this. Either way, it's strange, right? It sounds like, you know, you think that this man was looking at Jesus, like, what, what are you doing? I really think, though, that it, it must have taken 
a tremendous and enormous amount of faith to let someone do this. Let me ask you, if this person had doubts about the power of Jesus and what that power could do, do you think that those doubts would have prevented him from allowing Jesus to put his fingers in his ears, much less allow Jesus to touch his tongue after Jesus had just spat on them? Do you think he would have, if he had doubts, do you think he would have allowed him to do that? No, I don't, I don't think so. I think that if he had doubts, he'd be like, dude, you're nuts. I'm, I'm out of here. You know, I'm, I'm gone. No, I, again, I think it took a tremendous amount of faith. He actually believed, I don't know what you're doing, Jesus, but you, uh, I, you know, I trust you. I know what you're doing. I may, I may feel a little uncomfortable about this, but I trust in you and I trust what you're doing. And a lot of times, again, that happens in our own life. God will sometimes do things and it may make us uncomfortable, like, what's going on here? I don't know. You know, but instead of freaking out, if you really have that deep faith, just trust Him. Trust Him that, that He knows what He's doing. If you, again, if you really sincerely have that faith. Let me put it, let me put it, let me give you another illustration to put it another way. If you had a brain tumor and you were told by, you were told your dentist could remove it. You, you can choose to believe that or not. That's your choice. Someone tells you, hey, you know what? Yeah, your dentist, your dentist can, can remove that brain tumor. You can choose to believe it or not. However, if it came down to put your faith on that claim, I bet your doubts would probably stop you from, or probably stop him from opening up your head. It'll probably stop him, or stop you, right? It'll, or he'll just say, you know what? Uh, yeah, I'm not, yeah, not going to let you touch that scalpel. You're not going to open up my head. Yeah, right. You're just a dentist. Again, you're just going to stop someone. You're not going to allow someone to do anything to you if you have doubts. But again, he allowed this man, this man allowed Jesus to, to continue on. So after this, Jesus looks up to heaven, sighs deeply, and says to this man, Ephaphatha, meaning be opened. Now this is what I see Jesus doing. When Jesus looked up to heaven, what he was doing was he was praying. He was glorifying God, and he was thanking his Father. Again, as he looks up and says that he sighed deeply. When he looked back down, he sighed deeply and said, be opened. Now that sigh, it was an expression of the compassion he felt towards this man. This wasn't a sigh of like, oh man, this is tough, this is hard. No, it was like he looked at him and, and it was that sigh of just complete, absolute compassion. Like, ah. Oh, be opened. The other thing I think Jesus saw is that after seeing that practically, after understanding and seeing that practically everything about this man was open to Jesus, was open to him, he commanded the only thing left 
that was closed to open up. The only thing that was left to open up, he commanded it to be open. And immediately we're told in verse 35, the man was able to hear and speak clearly. Interestingly, Jesus then tells them, tells all the witnesses, all these people, don't tell anybody, don't say anything to anyone. You know, he, he wasn't, he knew that there was a timing and there was a purpose for everything and, and um, he didn't want to rush that. And he was hoping these people would stay quiet, you know, about this. He, he knew things were, it was going to get around, but he was just like, okay, well, let's, let's keep this on the down low. Um, we don't have to tell anybody. Um, but I'll tell you what. <laughs> this is interesting. Because uh, if Jesus healed a deaf friend of mine, if I had a friend, and I took this friend to Jesus, and Jesus healed him, and he told me, not to tell anyone as much as I love them as much as I, I I wouldn't do it I wouldn't not that I would do it out of uh, disobedience but I would just I would probably tell others about it I would tell others I'll be honest with you I'll probably tell again not out of disobedience but more so because of the excitement I I can't keep it quiet let me just tell you what happened here you know I it was sharing this miracle what Jesus did it was it was absolutely amazing but if not even not even that I think that as much as I, as much as, I, as hard as I tried to keep it a secret the evidence would have spoken for itself the evidence of this death now being now being able to hear and speak would have spoken for itself and honestly it would only be a matter of time where people would begin to ask me Hey, what happened? Why is this guy talking now? Why is he hearing now? What's, what's the deal? I mean, I can stay quiet as long as I could, but eventually, it, you know, uh, Jesus healed him, man. You know, I mean, that's, that's, I can't say anything more than that. I mean, that's the fact. Jesus healed him. Jesus put his fingers in his ears and this, he did this and he did that. And, and now he talks. That's all I know. You know, again, it would only be a matter of time. Uh, chapter 7, I think, ends so well because it's an accurate assessment about Jesus from everyone that was there, everyone that was around, from the people that brought this man to Jesus. It says, He has done everything well. In the Greek word, the word well is the word kalos. Which, is in, which in addition to well, can also mean beautifully, finely, and excellently. So verse 37 could also read like this. Jesus did everything beautifully. Jesus did everything finely. Jesus did everything excellently. If you truly desire to reflect Jesus Christ in and through your life, everything you do should be done well, beautifully, and to the best of your ability. Now, what does this story teach us? What can we learn from this story? 
But I think what we what we can learn is how to, besides some of the things I already already mentioned, but how to effectively minister to others. I want to give you at least three again three more lessons that Je- how Jesus exemplifies this for us, how Jesus exemplifies how to minister to others. If that's in your heart. And I think that should be the heart of every Christian, every believer in Christ, to to minister and share and and serve others. This, I think, what Jesus did here exemplifies how to do that. Lesson one, when you minister to others, give people individual attention. Spend time with them and really listen to what they have to say. Don't have your mind and your, you know, your thoughts somewhere else. Listen to what they have to say. Hear them out. I think people know. I think people realize when, when you're there or not. But Jesus, again, Jesus here took him alone privately and spent time with this man. Lesson two, when you minister to others, demonstrate heartfelt compassion especially if you've been through similar circumstances Paul said in 2 Corinthians 1 3 3 to 4 praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort he comforts us in all afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Talk to them, share with them, explain to them that you've been there and that you understand. But even if you haven't, you can still have that compassion. You can still sympathize with them. You can empathize with them. That's how you can minister to others. Lesson three when you minister to others, don't be afraid to articulate, articulate expectations by speaking the word of faith on behalf of them. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand me. This is where, again, you have to be careful. I'm not necessarily advocating lifting a person out of their wheelchair and saying, in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. You know, I'm not, advo- I'm not advocating that. I'm not advocating say, saying again, praying, legs be strong, walk. This is dangerous and can have disastrous effects. It can shipwreck people's faith. It can shipwreck your faith. And it, again, it can spiritually cause a lot of damage. No, what I'm saying is don't be afraid to say things like, the Lord will get you through this. Or when you're praying, you can put your hands on that person and say in the name of Jesus, may anxiety flee from you. May God give you peace and may he guard your heart and mind. That's what I'm talking about of in, in displaying to articulating expectations by speaking the word of faith on behalf of them. Now, these two stories have shown us how Jesus was moved by the faith of people's sincere pleas and petitions for others. For this mother, she was pleading and begging for her daughter. 
these and for in their second story we see people pleading and begging on behalf of this man this deaf man and the other thing we see in the story is how he was able to clearly see the hearts behind the person or people that were praying now though although he granted their re- although he although the way he granted the request may not have been how they expected it he granted it nonetheless and as a result a little girl was no longer tormented by an evil spirit a deaf man was able to hear and speak again and Jesus's name continued to spread because of the lives that were changed again the last verse of verse the last um, verse in Mark chapter 7 says they were extremely astonished and said he has done everything well he even makes deaf people hear and people unable to speak talk Jesus had made such an impact that people began to conclude there was nothing Jesus did that was questionable or caused any concern in addition to that they witnessed people getting healed they witnessed lives being changed maybe you're sitting here you're listening today and have begun to make those same conclusions you've begun to say to yourself you know yeah I see God does everything well Jesus does everything well you've witnessed or have heard how Jesus has changed lives of people you know that has changed people change the lives of people you know but haven't yet given him the opportunity to change your life you may not know this you may not understand this right now but people are praying for you people have been praying for you now all you have to do if, if this is you know you start you understand that God is good don't just let it go and don't just let it be and don't just say hey you know what yeah he was a good guy and he does everything well you know but I'm gonna continue to do my thing no he may be speaking to your heart today he may be speaking to your heart and mind and and he may be saying you know what I want to do this for you too I want to be able to give this heart this this life I want to be able to change you so that you can be used to change other people's lives. But all you have to do, you hear and you're feeling the Lord stirring up something inside of you, and you understand, and you're beginning to understand, it's, I believe it's the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart. All you have to do is just surrender your heart to Jesus and God will begin to transform your life as well. Now in a minute I'm going to, clo- I'm going to close and I'm going to pray. And, but I want you to think about that for a minute. You know, it's very easy again to say it's, it's them and they need it or that's fine for them and it works for them. But no, I think again, you've seen these people people's lives changed and God has allowed you to see that so that you can understand and see that he can do the same for you don't ignore it God has given you another day to surrender your heart to him to change to make a decision for him so that he can change you 
don't let that go. Let's pray. Lord Heavenly, Lord God of Heaven, you do, you've amazed us through these two stories of the faith that people display towards your Son, Jesus Christ. And Lord God, I, I pray that those who are hearing this message may be able to understand that this story, these stories are for them too, that people have been praying for them, people have been pleading on their behalf. And if you're, Lord, stir their hearts, help them to understand that all they have to do is just surrender their lives, or to rededicate their lives back to you, Lord. Move in their lives. And if that's you, I recommend wherever you're at, wherever you're just, just in the quietness of your heart, just ask Jesus for forgiveness. Ask Jesus to come into your heart to forgive you of your sins and accept Him as your Lord and Savior. If you've walked away, it's never too late to come back to the heart of worship, to come back to the arms of Jesus. He will never reject you. He will lovingly embrace you. again cry from the bottom of your heart Lord I'm coming back to you forgive me I'm sorry Lord bless everyone that's here bless everyone that is watching everyone that's listening everyone Lord just um, work mildly in their lives change them from within transform them into the image you that you want them that you created them to be to the person that you created them to be reveal their brokenness Lord restore them heal them and again just transform them we love you and we praise you Lord God for being magnificent for your majesty and for your glory bless this day. Bless this rest of this week and bless what you've done in our lives. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.